Hey, my name's Alex, and welcome to Alex Listens. This is the place where I talk about things like philosophy and politics and identity and race and psychology and mental health and that kind of stuff. So, today I'm going to talk about something that has been with me for a long time. Something that has confused me and led me astray and taken me to all kinds of places and impacted me in ways which only make sense or which only partly make sense years down the track. That is depression. Clinically diagnosed, whatever, DSM-5 criteria satisfied, depression. Before I begin talking about depression, two things. First of all, I've done a few episodes of on depression so far. I've done one called On Being dot 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 depressed. And I guess this is just a follow-up episode to that. So I guess in that one I kind of talk about some things which made me realize that what I was experiencing was depression. Um, that episode's kind of old now. I think I did it in December of 2019, but go and listen to that if you like. And I also did an episode on uh, on depression and antidepressants and my experiences with both. So you can go and listen to that too. It's called Depression and Antidepressants. And then I had a conversation with Jess about depression. So you can go and listen to that. And then more recently, I did an episode called The Existential Crisis. Uh, And I guess there I kind of outlined um, an experience that I was going through, which was kind of, you know, an existential crisis of sorts. But I suppose the primary motivation of it or the primary driving force behind it was depression. So you can, there's a lot of material, a lot of times that I've spoken about it. Um, And here we are yet again talking about it depression, my old friend. Um, yeah. So the, the second thing I wanted to say was that if you're enjoying Alex listens or any of the other content I make, I'm on YouTube. Um, I write things on my website. You can support all of it and your support will be greatly and graciously, uh, appreciated. Um, you can support me in a number of ways financially, if you like, uh, Patreon or PayPal. There are links all over the place. The easiest place to find links um, to help me out is on my website, www.alex.co slash contribute. And there you can find links to PayPal and Patreon. But there should be, you know, there'll be wherever you're listening to your podcast, there'll be a link. Otherwise, just follow me on social media, on Instagram at Alex Listens and on Facebook at Alex Listens Project. And that's all. So, yeah, depression, hey? The most confusing thing about all of it is that it often comes from nowhere for me. And I guess that's the saddest part of it. That's one of the saddest parts of it, that there's a hopelessness that feel that accompanies the feeling of being depressed for me. A hopelessness that feels something like 
having no control over who I am and where I'm going and what I'm thinking and that kind of stuff. Because I, yeah, so I guess recently, the past six or seven weeks, I've kind of slumped and fallen into a depressive state that I haven't felt for years now to probably a year. I think a year now. Obviously, I've been depressed at times, but it hasn't been this severe. And I guess the things that have marked the severity have been a total disinterest in things that I have previously been interested in, such as making this podcast. I've kind of lost motivation. And even though once upon a time, it was meaningful for me to make this podcast and it's You know, I guess the meaning is still there, but I'm not so much aware of it. Maybe it manifests in different ways when I'm depressed. Um, But yeah, as I was saying, the kind of... The randomness of it is really disheartening because, you know, through therapy and talking to psychologists and psychiatrists and then finally going on antidepressants, which I was extremely reluctant to do, um, I... I guess a lot of the time therapy revolves around conversations about feelings and thoughts and things from the past and, you know, tries to trace causal links between ways I think now or ways I behave now and how I may have behaved in the past. And I find that to be quite helpful. It's interesting to learn about you know, develop theories about why I might think a certain way now based on, you know, how my parents were or whatever. But the thing that I, the question that I still feel ill-equipped to answer is when and why do I feel depressed? When and why do I find it, when and why do I lose grasp with the things I enjoy? When and why do I not want to get out of bed in the morning? And I guess the when part, it just happens, right? Sometimes I just feel that way. Sometimes I just lose interest. Sometimes it's harder for me to do things. Um, There's a lot of criteria, a lot of different ways depression can manifest in people. But yeah, I guess for me, it's often disinterest, apathy, fatigue. I guess those are the big three. And one of the most confusing parts about being depressed is there's some kind of um, fear of improving. And I'm not sure if any of you have felt this uh but sometimes when i'm really depressed i become quite afraid of getting better because the thought of doing everything that i had previously done feels very foreign and feels very frightening because i guess when i feel very low i don't i don't feel like doing anything and things that i once felt like doing i don't feel like doing anymore and i doubt it feels like I'm doubting that I want to actually do them anymore. And that's kind of how I feel right now, 
right now I feel like I'm standing on the precipice of my brain or something. And there I'm standing and there's a fissure, a chasm. And on one side, there's me feeling heavy and sluggish and slow and disinterested and apathetic and tired. And in between, there is a whirlpool of my anxieties and fears and strange thoughts about what might happen if I change my behavior and whether it's ever going to end and, you know, all of the kind of thoughts that classically accompany depression. And then on the other side of the chasm, there is this idea of normalcy and this idea of being normal and doing things that I care about and seeing people who I care about and making the most of my young life and trying to put these, you know, moments of depression in perspective and understand them as part of what it means to be me. Because long ago I accepted that this was going to be with me for, I don't know, that it was going to resurface whenever it wanted to. And here I am, standing on the precipice, wondering what to do next, wondering what it will feel like to wake up tomorrow morning and whether it will be any easier. Because I guess for six weeks it hasn't been particularly easy. I haven't really... I guess when I'm not depressed, I don't really feel like... I don't really think about having reasons to get out of bed in the morning. I just do. I just get up and I do things. And... I'm more enthusiastic. And maybe, maybe there's a certain goodness in that. And maybe, maybe that is a normal way to be. But here's where I draw issue with the definition of normalcy as being, you know, hyper productivity. I don't know if that's what I want myself to be. And when I'm depressed, I have to remind myself that I have been different to how I am now and it's possible for me to be different. And I was saying before that there is a kind of fear that I feel when I think about, or I feel quite anxious when I think about doing things and returning to a normal life. And I do feel very anxious about those things. Maybe not very anxious, but I feel I'm worried by them. It's not a nourishing or reassuring or comforting thought. They are, those things trouble me. I'm nervous about returning back to a social life once lockdown ends in Melbourne. Because at the time I'm recording this, what's the date today? I think 26th, 27th, 27th of August. And... Yeah, we've been in lockdown for, I don't know, four weeks, five weeks, something like that. And I'm nervous about about what it will mean when I will see everyone again. And what it will mean when I'm expected to go to university in person. And what it will mean when I graduate from university, which will be happening very soon. 
I will be, you know, at the apex of employability with my Bachelor of Arts. And one thing that I've done in the past, which has been kind of helpful, and yeah, I'm sure many of you, as you, at least with me, my experience has been that as I've grown older, I have become more comfortable with yielding to the chaos of being a person and the chaos of having so many different things to think about and being able to think about so many different things and being able to talk about so to talk about so many different things and to talk to so many different people and really to have immense control those of us who are privileged such as myself to have immense control over the direction of our day and over the direction of our identity And I can think about all of these things in an abstract way and appreciate the freedom that I have. But again, I feel ill-equipped to use that freedom at the moment. And there have been times where I've felt better, where I've felt more at ease it's so I find it so hard to describe what it's like not being depressed because I think when I'm not depressed I pay very little attention to how I'm feeling I don't pay anywhere near you know I guess it it makes sense right the burden of life isn't life isn't burdensome as burdensome as it is when one is depressed and so I guess you know I'm too busy enjoying things or I'm too busy thinking about things outside of my own experience and maybe that's a fault of mine maybe in the future when i move out of this depressive state which will happen it always has happened i will try harder to pay attention to what it feels like to be free from this and maybe it doesn't feel like everything but I guess one thing that I one thing that I've been trying to do, I've been doing this meditation course, you know, and one thing that um is in the meditation course is this training to try and think about the signature of certain feelings in consciousness. And I think I am very sensitive to the signature of depression and its accompanying states in consciousness. I think I'm very aware of what it feels like. And I wasn't always like that for until maybe I was 21. So not even that long ago, three years ago, I didn't really, I didn't know that I was depressed. I just thought that this is what everyone's experience was like, that it's always hard for people to get out of bed, that the directionlessness of life was meant to be totally crushing and was meant to take away people's energy. And whatever I realized, I woke up, some of you may say, <laughs> probably not. Um, yeah, and, and since then, I guess I have learnt how to recognize the arrival of 
depression. And again, I guess I'll just repeat this because I think it's pretty interesting. I haven't been able to notice the reasons for depression, the reasons behind it. And it may just be that it's not, it's not a reasons motivated experience. Uh, I guess I'm not really satisfied with the scientific experience, you know, the psychiatric definition, which might be something like, you know, I guess antidepressants, some of them SSRIs, they try and address the problem of, uh, I don't know, a shortage of serotonin uptake receptors or something, or a shortage of serotonin in the body. And I mean, I hope that's not the only reason why I'm depressed. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, there are a number of, you know, I guess you just need to turn to any kind of political, sociopolitical philosopher to find reasons for depression. For example, Durkheim had this idea called anomy, which is that people feel bad and people feel sad when they are estranged from society. A-N-O-M-I-E. And when they lack, you know, interpersonal connection and stuff. And, you know, that might be, that might be a reason for my depression, right? Because over the past six weeks, I haven't really had too much interpersonal connection because it's been outlawed. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I guess I'm, at the moment, if you asked me a week ago, I would have told you that um, I probably would have been giving you a whole lot more of a pessimistic sketch of depression and that kind of stuff. But I think at the moment... um, I don't know. I feel pretty like, I feel pretty at ease being depressed. Like, I think maybe there's some kind of, um, I feel, yeah, I feel okay about it. I don't feel so, and this is rare for me because I tend to beat myself up pretty violently about over, over not being, you know, an organized and orderly and productive person. I have, outrageously high expectations um, of myself. And yeah, I guess I feel okay about not doing too much now. Uh, But I don't feel great about it. Like even now, (laughs) I don't know how many seconds have gone by since I kind of raised this issue, but yeah, I'm feeling more and more unwell inside when I think about not having done certain things that I wanted to have done by now. And I guess it, it's just hard to, it's hard to say to yourself that it's hard for me to say to myself that this is my doing. The way I feel these states, which aren't conducive of much apart from kind of self-loathing and, you know, sorrow and pain, that they're not really conducive to much apart from self-loathing and 
suffering. So there's this cycle, right? Self-loathing produces more self-loathing. And I guess what I was going to say was that Yeah, I don't know. It's not very helpful for me to look for reasons to be happy. Like, you know, I guess anyone from pretty much, (laughs) I was going to make a really polarizing comment and say that like, I don't know, baby boomers have no idea about depression, but I mean, it's probably true. I don't really have much of an idea about depression. and I feel like my generation has been, um, although not, enough we haven't been exposed to it enough and we don't have a sophisticated enough discourse about it so i guess that's why i'm talking about it because yeah i want to normalize this because it helps a lot it helps a lot to be able to talk and i'm fortunate enough to have this platform and i i am yeah this is This is one of the most important parts of my life and has been for over a year now because this podcast is over a year old. And yeah, for those of you who feel anything that I have spoken about in this episode or in my previous episodes on depression, my heart beats with you. And I know what it feels like. And I know that it goes away. And I know that it's hard now to think about, to envision a future where you will be free of whatever you're feeling and that you'll be able to return to a life as you once knew it, where maybe you were productive or maybe you were doing things that you wanted to do and doing things that were meaningful and enjoying them. But that's, that's there for all of us and and if it's not there for some of us we need to be there for those people so take care of yourself whatever that means if it means trying to i'm giving myself advice here trying not trying to recognize the thought patterns the destructive thought patterns of self-loathing you know where does it begin what's the first step when you start to think about damn i haven't done all that i wanted to do this week and then you know you start beating yourself up about it what's where's the first step what's the first step you take is there any way you can halt the process um and hey i'm no i'm no psychologist i'm no psychiatrist but i don't know that's helped me um and there's no substitute for that as well let me say um, I found therapy to be the most helpful and the most eye-opening and the most rewarding journey through my mind and through my thoughts. And I couldn't be a more firm advocate for depressed people having conversations, both with their friends and with their family and letting people know what they're experiencing, but also with the professional. There is no substitute at least in my life, there has never been a substitute for a conversation with a professional. So if it's been a while since you've seen a psychologist and things are hard for you, if it's been 
you've never been because you're too afraid, that was me. That was me a few years ago. I think in 2018, I started to see a psychologist seriously and I started to take it seriously and I was going regularly and I've been going regularly since then. So if it's any consolation, I've been there. I didn't want to go. I didn't go for 21 years and I guess I suffered for depression pretty seriously for, I don't know, most of my adolescence and my early 20s and it helped seeing a therapist. It's not immediate, but you know, depression doesn't come immediately and it doesn't go away immediately either. So it wouldn't make sense for therapy to have an immediate effect, but it's been very helpful for me. So ask yourself whether it's something that might help. Otherwise, thank you for listening. I hope you benefited from this podcast. Thanks.